I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty pod with me, Rich Cooling. Um, very exciting pod for you today. So I've got the main man, the big man himself. I'm joined by Murph. So Murph, how you doing? Yeah, good mate. Good to good to join you on this. Uh, first of all, welcome to the network. Good to have you. Um, it's definitely great i've been admiring you from a distance so glad that you're able to join and you're interested in joining us so that was uh pleasing but yeah it's, it's good to be here and good to talk some some dynasty i'm not quite got my dynasty hat on just yet but um <laughs> over the last couple of days i've been trying to execute some trades and uh and get some things moving to get my sort of temperature up and, and up to speed with dynasty yeah i thought it's, it's an interesting time of year isn't it i don't know if you but as soon as sort of leagues transitioned into 2021, I don't know if you're the same, but my trade sort of requests and offers that I've mm. been sent absolutely blew up. I've been inundated with offers over the last few days. See, I haven't. I haven't had too many, um, but I'd be trying to instigate a few. So I'm right. trying to get some conversations going. And um, I think anyone that's ever played with me knows that any one of my teams are for sale and any, yeah. anyone's available at any pro- you know, with the right price and the right movement and, I've got a few trying to go after some high value assets of mine and um, I've executed a couple of low level trades. I just bought T.Y. Hilton today for uh, oh, nice. a couple of modest low end picks in 2021, 2022. I was like, well, 
I was a bit weak at wide receiver last year, so I thought I appreciate I'm buying a, a massively depreciated asset, but it cost me a fourth in 2021, the third in 2022. I was like, well, I, I just need something short term, so I don't mind buying an aging asset for a short term to see if it can improve my fortunes, and if not, it's not cost me that much, really. Do you find that people, because they're able to listen to you and your thoughts and, and hear you on the podcast, they sort of know your moves before it happens? I've been finding one of my um, kind of main approaches at this time of year is to basically try and sell any running back that I don't think is going to be a top 12 running back next year. Um, but I think everybody in my leagues already knows that I'm trying to do that. So they're just not, not biting on those offers. Yeah, I I think some people, there are definitely some people who don't want to deal with me because they think I'm always trying to win a trade. Um, and there's definitely an element of that. Um, and I definitely, but I'm also one of these people that I won't pay more than what I'm willing to pay. Um, in, in the trade earlier, I did say to um, the guy I traded with, I said, look, I'm giving you the better end of the deal. I don't mind that given what I need. I don't mind giving you a, a 2020 second third and a 2021 fourth for, for T.Y. Hilton. Appreciate what I'm buying is is one to two years production, but I'm okay with the price I'm paying, and it's it's over odds. I said if you there, there's no counter, this is the price. This and I think it's more than justified. So either we do it or we don't, and I'm quite happy to walk away from deals. But I do find that people do, yeah, they do push it a bit, and some people some people try and try and win a trade over me, and then that conversation really just doesn't start i guess i'm one of these people when i'm i'm in trades i'll try and counter where possible but if i don't think i can counter i'll just say i can't you just don't have enough of what i want to to get me to get me interested so I, there's yeah. no point and i think it's interesting i think there's still this mentality with newer dynasty players to try and win trades and i just don't think it's a successful way of of managing expectations but also just building relationships in the league you're going to play with these people for years if you end up on someone's do not trade list yeah. you're just burning yourself in the long term it's just some people who i just won't trade with i just get so many bad offers i've just not bothered <laughs> um i started getting in the habit last year of countering ridiculous trades so people would give me a trade that was so stupid like it wasn't even it wasn't even a thinking, it wasn't even like a two second decline. It was an instant decline. So I would counter with like all of their players on their roster and I give them one fab bug or something like that. Because <laughs> See, that, you're, you're better than I, because there's no way, if I have a rule that I'll counter any trade that I think is a, you know, a, a decent offer that someone's oh, putting yeah. thought into. If someone's sending me, you know, nobody for my best players, I just, I just decline it immediately and move on. But they keep offering. So what I try and do is do the same thing back, but I go more extreme. So when I send someone a really stupid trade, that is saying that is me saying to you, you're you're literally taking the piss. So I'm going to take the piss back. So either stop doing what you're doing or come back with a serious offer. And yeah, and I appreciate some people don't know values and their chance in their art. I don't mind it, but it's it's there's some people that are incessantly trying to just do bad trades, and you're just like, why, why do it? So I think I think you know the advice I have to people. Yes, okay, people do know. I think I'm also quite a difficult person to trade with because I don't have that many my guys. I said this on yeah. the pub with Pat Fitzmaurice. 
you know, when you speak to Stocks, Stocks has his guys he loves and he goes and drafts them in a, in every single draft. So I co-own with him in a ton of leagues that he drafts in. And all of a sudden, like two years ago, I had so much AJ Green. I was just like, oh my God, I would never take AJ Green, never in a million years. And I've got like seven shares of this bloke that I just will never want on a team. But it's fine because that's, that's his guy. And sometimes it's great. And he, he has guys and they absolutely are lit and guys I wouldn't, necessarily target at the right at the prices but they go off and there's some that just don't work and that's fine but i just never hedged into a guy i think my guys last year were robert woods because the value was insane like and and brandon cooks and keenan allen because the the pricing on them was just so off on all three guys that it was just like i'm all right getting them in every league but that doesn't bother me if they are if they're in if robert woods is in the fourth round he's he's on my team if 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 Keenan Allen's in the fifth, he's in my team. If if Brandon Cooks is in the seventh, he's in my team. No problem. I would pay up for all, like all that pri- all that price all day long. I'd have paid for those three guys, and I didn't overly regret it a little bit in the beginning with Cooks because he wasn't performing. But I'm not hedged on a guy. I don't go out into a draft and think, oh yeah, I'm going to walk away with this guy. It's if he's there, I'll take him. But I I I like having a, a really red portfolio and that's saying my dynasty teams i've got a load of dynasty teams with with christian mccaffrey i'll deal him for the right price just to get him off some rosters actually it's not because i think he's a depreciating or declining asset just um i think that i don't mind diversification i don't mind taking a risk in certain leagues where i want to stop par picks and move around the board and get myself a load of talent and if it means a tanky year to to be dominant in three years time and dominate for a few years i probably would do it in some instances but yeah. i guess because i don't have my guys people can't offer me like oh i know you're really into robert woods so i'm going to give you robert <laughs> woods for christian mccaffrey and i'll probably throw in a pick and i'm, like, I'm just not that attached to him i was attached to him from a very like a, a value perspective of where he's going in drafts the same with bucks players people try and trade me bucks players all the time thinking i've got this over high attachment to them i just I don't never, i never get that because no. i'm a jets fan and i don't want jets players no. because i don't they disappoint me every sunday i don't also want them to disappoint me in fantasy i, I just have a, an emotional detachment to fantasy football yeah. I, I, i'm very weird like that i i absolutely can watch a game on sunday and be completely emotionally involved but from a fantasy perspective just not even be remotely emotionally attached to it I think because I, I have so many teams down. and I have so yeah. many different players. It's like for every Josh Allen touchdown, he scores me in one league. He's going against me in another league. And it's like, well, so I just kind of learned to detach myself from the emotional element of it. And maybe that's less fun. I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't, I think I'm, uh, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm notoriously hard to trade with. I, when I do trades in, in, in leagues, I get them done very quickly. And I think I pay very good prices that are very fair. And I don't think anyone's ever really walked away from a trade from me that often has felt really aggrieved. I know stocks did a few years ago. We were in the dynasty <laughs> and he agreed to J- trade me James uh, Connor for a third round pick. This is when Led Bell held out and he, you know, he verbally agreed to it. And then I held him to it, even though Led Bell then didn't play. <laughs> and he was just, he felt a bit aggrieved <laughs> to it. But I think, uh, I think for the most part, I think, you know, some people get offers from me and they don't like them and that's fine. I think you're entitled to not like any offer. And some people think I'm pulling the wall. But I think on the whole, I think people that deal with me on a regular basis know that, I, you know, I don't I don't count too much and I don't try too hard with trades. Um, I try and make sure that the other person's walking away 
with something that they're happy with because then that person will come and trade with me again. So if they're looking to ship uh, a, an asset that I want, I'll probably be first in line because they know that they can get a good deal off me pretty quickly. And there's none of this backwards and forwards. It's like, oh, okay, well, I, I really want to get picks for James Robinson next year. And I know Murph will probably buy James Robinson, give an approach Murph and see what he will do um, and see what he'll give me as a market on it. And then I either take that off and go elsewhere or I do a deal with him. And then that way I yeah. kind of get the first dips because I'm a fair trade partner. And I think that's what people want, don't understand. If you can work with players in your league and you can get trades done quickly, they're very much more likely to deal with you when they actually want to do something quite incessant or extreme and ship a CMC or overreact to the market. I've bought players that have gone down with an injury that looks bad. And I think, well, I can just sit him on my bench. And if he comes back early, great. And if not, then whatever. And stash for a playoff run. And then all of a sudden they come back three weeks later and you're like, well, I'm quids in. Yeah, and I think that's the best way to be, isn't it? That you know, it certainly benefits you long term, doesn't it? In that you're, I think that's where people miss out is that you're looking at trading as winning that individual trade, whereas actually, the best thing is to win the the kind of the war rather than the battle as such. For I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. So I I had a guy today. I I told everyone that everyone of my rosters up for sale. CMC. The guy comes to me and says, "What do you what do you want for CMC?" And I said, and "I looked at his roster. He's got no 2021 first or second round picks. So automatically, I'm kind of not really interested. He's got Kamara and he's got um, Devonte Adams and Deshaun Watson. A bunch of other guys that are okay, but not really guys I'm overly interested in. Not a lot of picks. So I said, "Look, I'm going to be really honest with you." we're probably not going to do business because you don't have enough of what I want. And if I was to do this deal with you, the deal I'd want is what you're not willing to pay, which is Kamara and Adam. And I, and that's not really fair on you, but I'm just being honest and saying that's what I'd want because I think CMC is good for three, four years. I think Kamara might be, but with a change of quarterback, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and and then Adams has got a bit of an injury history. I think that, that, and I appreciate I was asking more than what CMC was probably worth, but I was telling him that's that's what it would that's what it would take um, to do the deal. And at least I'm honest. And just because there wasn't any other scenario out there where I felt I could put together a package based on what he currently had. And I even admit that that's an overpay. I wouldn't do it if I was you and I had Kamara and Adams. I wouldn't pay that for CMC, but that's what I would want okay, based yeah. on what you've got. And people respect that kind of honesty. Um, and I think that's that's what people need to strive to do. But And I think as the game evolves, I think as people have done three years, four years, I think people will get better at it. And hopefully with your podcast, and a lot of people are interested in Dynasty now. So I think the fact that people are now requesting and wanting more Dynasty information, they want to be better Dynasty players. What I really want to see in the Dynasty game in the UK is move away from this redraft mentality where the league is really active for three or four months and then it's dead for four months. Then you get the rookie draft that's active for like a few weeks with a load of trades and then it's dead for a few months and then it's preseason and it all heaps up again. I think it'd be good to get some more active leagues and people actually trying to do business now, do business in, in February or March round the free agency period, try and get people doing business in preseason during the summer. I'm not saying it needs to be massively heavy, but that's kind of the advantage of a dynasty versus 
you know, just a, re, a season long. It just becomes a keeper league. I play, I, I, I've left a few dynasties that are basically keeper leagues, but you keep your whole roster. But the yeah. league is effectively the same. And yeah. you just, or just like, go and play redraft if you're only going to play from yeah. September to January. Just go, just go and play redraft, basically. Nothing, it, nothing yeah. wrong with that. It, yeah. I'm, I prefer redraft to dynasty in a lot of aspects and ways because you can take more risks. You can, you can go and do crazy things in a league. Like you can go and draft someone who doesn't deserve to be the 101, be the 101. If it works out, you're a winner. And if you lose, then it's a season. It doesn't matter. Like as long as you have fun doing it, that's fine. Yeah. So I think, I think there needs to be, I think that the, the redraft landscape is very sophisticated now in the UK from the leagues that we play in. I think that the standard of playing is so much better than it was five years ago. I just think redraft, is is there i don't think dynasty is and maybe that's unfair to some people but i think there's a lot of people jumping into the dynasty space and treating it too much like redraft and i think they're very different games so in the same way it's like trying to play dfs like you're trying to play redraft it just doesn't work yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so so what we're going to do today Murph, so we um we've got a couple of kind of buys and sells i guess you know it's, it's a nice easy kind of topic yeah. to get things started with um, so what Merce going to do is he's going to run me through a couple of his buys and a couple of his sales and I'll, uh, I'll chuck one of my own in and, and sort of go from there. So who's who's your first buy then, Murph? The guy who I'd love to be buying this season. And he was a guy I was a bit besmirching last year because I loved his teammate and his value. But it's Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is the guy I want to buy this year. And Cooper Cup for me is effectively 2019 Bobby Trees. Um, now, the reason I say that is the reason why Bobby trees was such great value in 2019 was he had the yards, he had the production, he had record season in targets, record season in receptions, like virtually no touchdowns, two, three touchdowns last year. Cooper cup didn't have record years, but he put up, um, he was the wide receiver 25 um, in scoring last year. Um, as you would later in that, I think he was the wide receiver 27, 28 in, in scoring last year. But you know, what, what, in in what was deemed like his worst season in three years, he still put up a stat line of 92 catches for 973 yards, but it was the three touchdowns that hurt you. And that's because a lot of them were going to Bobby trees. Um, Goff towards the the stretch of the end, he really regressed and then, you know, broke his thumb and then bad quarterback play week 17, you know, those sort of numbers kind of hurt a little bit, but you know, he still got a few years left on his, on his deal. But you're talking about a guy who had still a 23.7% target share, 26% share of, of targets in the red zone, which are very, very high. That red zone share is a top 10, top 14 number. So you're talking about a player who's still very active in the red zone. He just didn't get in. Um, and that was because of increased play on the ground. Um, Bobby Trees with a few sort of end arounds got in and there's a few sort of different schemes that, that McVeigh used. But you know, that kind of, that's not going to happen again. You know, that touchdown number is going to, is going to positively regress back to the mean. So, you know, he's going to be a bet for six, seven touchdowns. You know, he's typically someone like Cooper Cup is, is more around the eight to 10 number every season. So I just think Cooper Cup is someone that you can go out there and grab for, you know, a second round pick right now in dynasty and think, yes, please, I'll, I'll be snapping him up because, you're not going to get anybody in the second round that is going to be as productive as he is over the next three years. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head there talking about the touchdowns. Obviously, in, in 2019, he finished the year with that stretch when Tyler Higby went mental. He had five touchdowns in his last five games. Mm. Um, and I think that that was almost this year was perhaps him regressing back to the mean based on that. So just just to kind of get pick your brains in, I've gone into the, the DLF trade finder and pulled out a couple of recent trades that have gone through on, on MFL. Yeah. Um, so... Cooper Cup for Henry Ruggs and a 22 first. Would you pay that for Cup? Oh, yeah. I I haven't done enough work on the 2022 class yet to really think about. But, I mean, it depends where you're picking in that 2020. If that's going to be a top three pick in the 2022 class, (laughs) then maybe not. But, yeah, I I think on the whole, I I don't dislike that. I think that's a a pretty good trade. Look, I think Ruggs is... I don't think Ruggs is a thing, no. um, especially with Gruden there. I don't think he is someone that I, I said this last year when he was drafted. He wasn't someone I had overly high on boards. I think I projected him somewhere in the 50s, 60s. So, yeah, I'm I'm not overly worried about the Ruggs part. And I guess the 2022 first, it gives you plenty of time to try and get that pick back or another pick back. So, yeah, I'm, I'm probably on board with that. I think with what, what he'll give you, I don't, I don't hate that at all. Okay. And then the next one. So this is... Cooper Cup for DJ Chark and T.Y. Hilton. So I think DJ Chark's probably the most talked about oh, wide that. receiver in dynasty circles at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I, I love that. And I think, I, listen, I think that it depends on where you are. If you are going to be competing in 2021, I love that. Because I think that DJ Chark, when you get a new quarterback come into a team, and that's what we're going to have, and we expect it to be Trevor Lawrence. We don't know if it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. And I think people are buying... DJ Chark in the hopes that Trevor Lawrence and and DJ Chark are going to be this winning combination. In truth, we don't know which receiver is going to benefit most from that relationship with Trevor Lawrence. If it is Trevor Lawrence, you've got LaVisca Chenault. Maybe they get on page and maybe they're the elite side. Keelan Cole, if they re-sign him, maybe he's someone that gets some love. Ultimately, I think, and we were talking about this with Pat Fitzmaurice, it's a great landing spot for Trevor Lawrence. They've got weapons. They've got players that they can throw the ball to. Chark could be enormous. His range of outcomes is wide receiver eight, wide receiver six, wide receiver 40. And he could be anywhere in between. But I don't hate buying it for the, like, you got T.Y. Hilton as a stopgap. I don't hate that trade. I, see, that's the sort of trade I'd look at and go, I can see why both teams did it. I can totally see why both teams did it. But I would probably still go on the cup side because I think I'd be fine trading an unknown commodity in Chark because that's what he is now and a declining asset in Hilton, who, all right, I just talked about, I bought him, but he is a declining (laughs) asset for what I think is a massive bounce back potential top 12 player next year. And if I'm competing and I'm looking to win, I'm doing that trade and buying cup at that price. But if I'm not and I'm rebuilding... I'd take the punt on, on Chark because if it works year one, you're laughing. If it works in yeah. year two, you've bought T.Y. Hilton as your stopgap. I kind of see the logic. Yeah. I think that Cooper Cup's that guy that you're never going to, you know, he's, he's not sexy, is he? But he's no. a very safe, solid option as your, you know, as a wide receiver three or, or a flex play. If, if you've got Cooper Cup in there, you're in a very good spot, aren't you? Yeah, you, you, you've got to look at Cooper Cup for, for what he is. He is a slot receiver. He is a slot, a highly productive 
slot receiver. So as you say, he's not going to be sexy. He's not going to be this guy that you're going to look at every season and go, oh, wow, what an amazing play by Cooper Cup. But having said that, Cooper Cup was last year in Yak. I think he was like fourth, fifth. You know, he had a, uh, you know, yeah, he was third, sorry. He had 507 yards after the catch last year. So he was third in all wide receivers in Yak. So you're talking about a player who does know how to get separation, but you're talking about a player who does know how to get extra yards. And that's what's important is, and and, and the, the counter argument and the people will tell you, well, yeah, if he's catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage and he runs forward, of course, he's going to get Yak. That's what screen passes <laughs> do. But that's not entirely his game. And that's not entirely yeah. what he does. Um, I think, you know, when you look at his yardage total, over half his yards were yards after the catch. That's telling you it's sustainable year to year. It tells you that you're going to get a highly productive receiver who's going to give you 900, 1,000 yards most seasons while he's active in a high-scoring offense, which is, again, another part of it, in a team where he's not going to get competition. 23.7% target share is unlikely to decrease below 22%. Like, he's just locked in volume. Like, his range of outcomes is he was the wide receiver 26, wide receiver 27 this year in scoring. And that's a bad year. <laughs> like, that's yeah. a bad, that's that you're buying him at his worst. So, people are going to, and the reason I put him as a buy now is people are going to look at him and you can get him for a second round value or you can get him for appropriate player swaps that if you were buying him 12 months ago, you were buying him at his ceiling. And people are now thinking, well, it's another year on and, and you've got the whole, well, it's Jared Goff. Do I really want to play attached to Jared Goff? You can win. You can get yourself a, a slight bargain on, on Cup because if his name was, I'm trying to think of a Mike Evans, their, their profiles are not too dissimilar other than the fact that Mike Evans got a lot more touchdowns. How, how they score their points is very different, but actually exactly. the end result is similar kind of thing. Yeah, very, no, very similar. With. And the fact that Mike Evans got a massive bump because in the last couple of games, he was chasing that thousand yard record and Brady wants to be the kind of quarterback that rewards those kind of guys. It's why Antonio yeah. Brown got three shovel passes in the final six minutes of a game <laughs> so that he got an extra 250 grand. That's what Brady does. If that had not been the case, I don't think that Mike Evans would have got as many yards or as many touchdowns as he did. And I think that's what's is as you say, they they similar sort of profile. I think he's he's bust proof, but I think at the same token, he he's in line to easily finish in the top twelve if he goes to the medium and gets seven or eight touchdowns with similar production next year. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on then, Murph, who who have we got next for your, your second buy? Next one's Russell Gage. So Russell Gage um, finished as the wide receiver 37. I think you've got down here, he's going off off the board at wide receiver 74 at the moment, which is just nuts. <laughs> um, I didn't realize how many yards Russell Gage had until I really looked at the numbers and how many catches. I mean, he, he had a season where he had 110 targets, 72 catches for 786 yards and four touchdowns. This kid easily had the quietest near 800-yard season I've ever seen in the NFL. Because, you know, you just thought of him as, oh, he came in and he just did, he just got some plays when, um, when Julio Jones went down. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it, this is a whole situational thing. Do I love Russell Gage as a talent? probably not. I don't look at Russell Gage and go, this guy's the next second coming of, uh, of Julio Jones. So far from it. I mean, you got Calvin Ridley there, 
But what you started to see last year with the Falcons was that when Ridley was the one and Gage was the two, it was Gage who was a lot more productive in the end zone, in the red zone. He was the guy that was getting these balls. You look at that game in week 15 against the Buccaneers. It was Gage that was doing the damage. He also did it in week 17 against the Bucs. So when, you know, they were trying to push the ball forward and get it downfield, it was Gage who was more involved. And that's because Ridley was getting a lot of the, the double coverage and a lot of the, the matchups. So to really kind of manage what he can do. And I just don't think Julio Jones is on that team next year. And if he is, okay, you, you what you're doing here is a very speculative ad. Russell Gage isn't going to cost you a lot. I think you can buy Russell Gage for a third round pick. Maybe, a, maybe, 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 maybe a, a very low second. But I think you can buy Russell Gage for not a lot. And only the very savvy will hold on to him. Because Russell Gage, is, he's not a high-profile player. He's not making loads of plays. He's not someone that appears on red zone oh so often. You're talking about a player who really is a, th- a three. It wasn't bad. I mean, it, it produced, but it wasn't as good as it should have been. Yeah. They're a massive think- cap, cap deficiency. I mean, you're talking about the Falcons need to sell players. They're $28 million over the cap. They don't have that many players under contract next year. Players have to come off this roster. And Julio Jones is prime. He's... You argue he's he's almost at his limit. He's missing games every year. Someone's going to want to buy him, who's pushing for a playoff push next year. Someone will pay that money for him, and I think that the Falcons can't say no because they need to get him off the books. And then you're looking at the cap space that he frees up, and you're looking at the fact that Russell Gage is is cheap. He's less than a million a year. I can see him getting resigned. He's got one year left on his deal, but I think he's someone that you could get for a third round pick. All right, if it doesn't pan out, it's not cost you a lot, but I think he's someone that who could easily break into the top 20, 15 wide receivers next year. If he's the two in, in Atlanta. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I like the idea of buying him at the cost you've got to pay to get it. Cause I think that, as you said, you know, if I can pay a third round pick and get someone that's got his potential upside, I love it. I guess where I differ from you is that I can't see another team paying what the Falcons would want to trade for Julio Jones. So I don't think they need a lot. I think that's the point. The Falcons have so few players under contract next year. (laughs) Julio Jones isn't going to be worth a first round pick. He's not worth a second round pick. I think Julio Jones could go for as low as a third or fourth round pick. I genuinely believe that because they're in so much trouble. Their cap situation is just, let me pull up the numbers for but they're in so yeah. much trouble. Um, I, and they're I not going to win me, next I'm just, year. Thinking, I'm just thinking that you've got someone like Arthur Blank, and I think he's very much concerned about public perception. You've got probably the best player in franchise history. Yeah. And I just can't see them being willing to give him away. And I think that the Falcons would need a decent offer in order to trade him. If they went and traded him for a third round pick, the fans would be an uproar. And I think that someone like an Arthur Blank, I throw him in the same category as like a Jerry Jones. I think he really worries and is concerned by what the kind of the fans think. And I, I think that they'd rather make other moves. And I think that Julio Jones is going to be on the Falcons next year. And then if he's on the Falcons, you're, you're, you've completely capped the kind of potential upside of Gage. When you're looking at this, you potentially, but then you've also got how, how injured 
is Julio Jones going to be? How many games does he miss next year? Because I, you know, if you set the games he plays, the over under is going to be at like nine or ten. Yeah, personally, very, very, very true. So then you're looking at that. But what I'm looking here, so Atlanta Falcons are just short of 25 million over the cap. They have 31 players under contract next year, which means that they are 20, 22 players short on their cap number and the 25 million in the hole. When you're looking at the numbers, raw numbers and their draft picks and everything, you're probably saying that, and that's if the cap number stays where it is, which we are pretty optimistic in, in that being the case. But if, if not, and that cap number is decreased due to the loss of income of the NFL this year, let's say they, cost, they, they take 30 million off the cap, which is highly conservative, some of the numbers I'm hearing. You take 30 million off the cap, they're 55 million over the cap, more than that. So they're going to be about 100-ish million, maybe a bit under over the cap. You don't have a choice. And and you don't have a choice. You can't cut Julio Jones because if you cut him, his cap number is twenty is twenty three million. If you cut him, he you have to pay thirty eight and a half. So you can't cut him. So you have to trade him. And when you look at the players on roster and you look at their trade assets, Jake Matthews, no one's trading for Jake Matthews. Grady Jarrett, no one's trading for Grady Jarrett. Matt Ryan. But who's easier to replace, Matt Ryan or Julio Jones? Yeah, very true. But I and wonder that, if the only way I, I see them trading Julio is if they also then trade Matt Ryan. But um, yeah, we, we, yeah, we can keep diving into. I, I just, I guess we'll, we'll agree to disagree because I just think that Julio will be back, which to me caps caps gauge the season. Yeah, and I get that, but I think for what you're going to pay for him, I, yeah. I, I, I'd chance my arm at it and think. If you try and buy Russell Gage when Julio Jones has got a lot, lot more. Yeah, absolutely. So my my buy candidate, so I've, I've been calling this guy a buy for what feels like the last kind of nine months. It's, it's ridiculous. I keep calling him a buy and his, his price just doesn't move. Um, so that's Deontay Johnson. Um, so he finished as the wide receiver 20 in terms of points per game. Um, but if you actually remove the two games that he left injured, and didn't produce any stats. He actually would have finished as the wide receiver 11 in points mm. per game, um, yeah. which which would have been ahead of Justin Jefferson, just to give you an idea of the guys in, in that sort of range. He's, you know, he, he is, as far as I'm concerned, the number one in that Pittsburgh offense, which is incredibly pass happy. Yeah. I think that he commands an incredible target share. He has shown that he's a very good route runner. He is a very good all-round receiver. And I think that the kind of, perception and, and at the moment is that he's got these you know he can't catch he's got horrific drops and to me that's opened up a massive buy window because the price has plummeted quite frankly um I actually bought him yesterday so I bought him for Jalen Rager the 212 and the 302 in a super Lovely. flex draft I love that um and then I think you know his his current price based on DLF trade finder so he's gone for a first and a third um, he's gone for Will Fuller in a second. I just think that this is a guy that's got, you know, essentially wide receiver one upside that you can probably pay wide receiver two, wide receiver three cost. Plus, you've got the potential that Juju's walking out the door exactly. this offseason. You know, he, he played 95 snaps in the slot this year. Hmm. If Juju's gone, is that going to go up to sort of three, 400 where he played in 2019 and, and did most of his damage? Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm really high on Deontay. I, I'm with you, and I think you've you've sold it there with when you're looking at the 2021 
um, roster, it's very unlikely, again, due to salary cap numbers, it's very unlikely they can pay Juju. Now, they could tag him, but I don't quite know how they're going to afford to do that. So again, we're, we're looking at here the Pittsburgh Steelers cap situation, 35 players under contract. They are currently 20, 22 million over the cap. So again, you're talking about um, cap availability here and, and what, what players can do. I can't see a way that they can keep, I can't see a way that they can keep Juju on their roster and pay everyone. I don't know if they need, if they need or want to keep and, Juju. And that's but... the other thing. Well, the only reason you keep him is a trade asset. And you would try and pay him and trade him. And that's the only scenario. But I think, what are you going to get for Juju Smith-Schuster that you're not going to get back in a comp pick? Because the way he's going to get paid, and he'll get paid in the market, someone will pay him. He he will make sure that you're probably likely to get a third-round comp pick. Obviously, it depends on you know, who you sign off free agency and all the complicated math that goes off that. But I think, yeah, the Steelers will, will probably get a third-round pick off off Juju Smith-Schuster, and I don't, I don't think they're going to get more than him by a pay-and-trade deal. So, And then I think he says it, it just leaves Deontay Johnson as the de facto one. I think he's the de facto one with Juju on the roster. I said it all yeah. season to players that, you know, the way I ranked this offense is Juju was a high-end wide receiver two most weeks. Chase Claypool was a mid-to-low-end wide receiver two. Juju was a, a wide receiver three, and I think I said that on the match. I was pod pretty much every week. So I agree with you. I, I think Deontay Johnson is a player that you can buy now. And I think your window to buy him is short. I yeah, think you've got think maybe six weeks. Yeah. The, the, I know people are going to say that a big concern is the sort of big Ben. Obviously he's 39. I think he's based on his cap and based on kind of what he's saying. I think he's definitely back next year. Mm. And then for me, when I'm talking wide receivers and situations, I never look more than kind of 12 months in terms of who the quarterback's going to be because a lot can change in the next 12 months. Who knows what quarterbacks are going to become available? Who knows if they're going to go out and trade for Sam Darnold or, you know, even potentially like a Matt Ryan or someone like that. Who who knows where we're going to be? So I will never think, mm-hmm. oh, Big Ben could be, you know, they might have a new quarterback in 2022. Well, who knows what the quarterback's going to be on probably 20 of the 32 teams in 2022. I also don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I th- you know, the, the I think you're looking at a receiver like Johnson. I think he proved last year's recession. He, he, you know, he, he's somewhat QB proof. Um, he had a pretty good year in 2019 with Mason Rudolph and Duck, Duck Hodges throwing him the ball. Yeah. It was it was Juju that was the one that took the hit. Deontay Johnson had a pretty I mean, not as good as he was this year, but given he was a rookie last year, given what he achieved and what he's done, you had to look at him and say that he was a guy who balled out last year, given the quarterback play. Now with a better quarterback play, he got better. It, as you say, in 2022, the likelihood is the situation isn't going to be any worse. It, yeah. It, yeah. With every likelihood, it will be better. You know, there was there were a number of good free agent quarterbacks who they can sign. I mean, for me, the one that screams out is, is Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is the guy I can see them buying because they, yeah. they like a guy, a gunslinger. You can get Jameis Winston for next to nothing. It would not shock me if Jameis Winston ended up at some point on the Pittsburgh Steelers as the heir apparent to Big Ben. And then you sit there and think, well, I'll take any wide receiver that's attached to Jameis Winston. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that scenario is as likely as them getting somebody who is just awful because they can't draft a QB. 
That's the problem is that they pick too high to draft the QB. So they're going to have to go into the free agency pool and pick yeah. one. You look at the caliber of their franchise and you look at who they get. Winston, Dal- um, Dalton. You say Darnold, I'm not so sure he leaves the Jets, but that's another conversation for another time. <laughs> but I love it. I- I'd be buying Deontay Johnson everywhere I can right now. Fantastic. So sell candidates. So, so who are you selling Murph? First player I'm selling is I'm selling him at his absolute premium, and that's Jonathan Taylor, and that's going to shock a lot of people. Um, if you listened to the podcast earlier in the week, you heard that I was cut off as I was about to make my uh, Jonathan <laughs> Taylor pitch. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of make this now. I'm going to preface all of this by saying I absolutely love Jonathan Taylor. I loved him as a prospect. I love him as a player. I love his attitude. I love his situation in terms of the way that he plays the game. I'm not bothered about the fumbles. In fact, he only fumbled the ball once, twice this season. So I'm not worried about what he does. What I'm worried about is is Frank Reich. Um, so when you look at, at Jonathan Taylor, the, let's go with the peripheral numbers first, and then I'll, I'll go into some some other numbers as to why I want to get rid of him. Now, Jonathan Taylor last year, 232 receptions, uh, rushes, uh, 1,169 yards and 11 TDs on the ground. That 1169 is a soft number. You know, he rushed for 252 yards against Jacksonville in week 17 when Jacksonville had already secured the one seed or the one, uh, the one spot in the, in the, in the, in the draft. So it's a soft number. You take the 252 out and it's easy to say, oh, we'll just take the 252 out. But you're then looking at 900 and, 917 yards before going into week 17. It's not a bad number, but it's not elite. And then you're looking at, you know, he got less than 300 yards uh, in receptions, one touchdown. So here's what I look at here. He had 11 touchdowns, but he only had eight goal line carries. He had a 50.7% opportunity share. He was only 26 in yards created. So that's yards after the initial point of contact. So these aren't elite numbers. These aren't numbers that are suggesting to you that he's going to be putting up big, big numbers. He benefited mostly in 2019 or 2020, sorry, from durability. He played every week. That was his, that was his MO. He finished as the, the running back four on the season with a big week in week 17 and the fact that he played every week and not everybody did. And durability isn't to be underestimated. You have to look at the fact that he's going to be coming into 2021 healthy, but 50.7% of opportunity is just not good enough. We looked at Aaron Jones. The reason why Aaron Jones was as high as he was, and if you drafted him high in the second round, you got punished for this, is he has a very similar opportunity share. It was touchdowns that carried him to that finish. And the same again with Jonathan Taylor. And I go back to this eight goal line carries he had, but he got 11 touchdowns. That's likely to regress. That 11 touchdown number is likely to regress in 2021. Now, and people sitting there going, well, it doesn't matter. You know, he still put up all these numbers. What's this about Frank Reich? Is let's look at Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack had a 62% share in 2019. He had a 62.9% opportunity share. And it's similar to what Miles Sanders was coming into the 2020 season. He's on a team where they do not have a bell cow. They do not like to play with a bell cow back. And if you go through the, the, the individual game logs and share opportunities between Marlon Mack in 2019 and Jonathan Taylor in 2020, and you look at how many games where they had over a 75% share, 
For Marlon Mack in 2019, over 75% share in a game happened twice. When I look at the same with Jonathan Taylor, it only happened twice. Which is, which is you know, it's shocking, isn't it? Yeah, and, and that's my point is that it's not, it's not a smirch on Jonathan Taylor, the player. I mean, yeah, okay, I've sat there and said yards, 26th and yards created isn't great. It's not bad, but it's not, it's not elite. But what he did with the limited opportunity is, your, is his ceiling. This is his absolute ceiling. This is the best that he's ever going to produce with those kind of opportunity numbers. And what people are going to remember right now is, oh, I rushed for 252 in the final game of the season. <laughs> that is what people remember. People go, yeah. oh, it's finally Jonathan. Taylor. Because this happened exactly 12 months ago. 12 months ago, I sold every single share of Miles Sanders I had. And I got people to pay silly prices for Miles Sanders. I got two firsts for Miles Sanders. Two. Two firsts for Miles Sanders. I was getting first and seconds. I was getting uh, first, third. And the best one I I pulled off is I got a first, a third, and who did I get? Oh, Corey Davis. I got a first, a third, and Corey Davis for for Miles Sanders. And I said that, I think, this is just nuts. Like I'm just absolutely balling with what I'm getting. And this is, this is my point on, on Jonathan Taylor is right now, his situation will never be better. It will never get better for Jonathan Taylor than this, especially if those numbers do not improve. And I don't expect them to, because it's similar to what Marlon Mack was in 2019. It was similar to what Marlon Mack was in 2018. It's, it, you know, these opportunity numbers, I'm not saying it's going to go up from 50%. But it's not going to be 70%. It's going to be 65 maybe. That's his ceiling, 65%. And then you sit there and think, is 66% of the ball enough to be a truly elite running back? No. So is he ever going to be a top four running back again? Probably not. Therefore, I'm selling him now as, a, look, you've got a guy who could be the 101 next year. Why don't you, why don't you pay an RB1 price for him? And you could probably get two firsts or a first and a second or a first and a player for Jonathan Taylor right now because he's young and it's exciting and he's coming off a 250 yard game. I just think you could get the moon for Jonathan Taylor right now. And I chip him. And I want every part of me wants to massively disagree with everything you've just said, because I love Jonathan Taylor, the player. Same. But, but the truth is, is that, you know, I talked about it in the off season when I called Michael Thomas, you know, a massive sell candidate, because I think that his, his price was never going to be higher. And I think that that's the opportunity with Jonathan Taylor right now. And I think that in Dynasty, you know, as we talked about earlier, you've got to remove the emotion from the situation. You've got to say, could this be the peak of Jonathan Taylor's value? And if that's the case, you've got to take that now and you could get an obscene haul Mm. for a guy that, yes, he's going to be a good player, but I don't think he's going to be in that RB1 overall category. You know, so Ryan McDowell, obviously he does the... ADP for DLF every month. So he's tweeted out yesterday that Jonathan Taylor in January ADP was the 103 overall. Oh. Which, I mean, if you're talking that, you're talking you might be able to get sort of three or four firsts. Like that is obscene cost for a guy yeah. that, yes, is a good running back, but I don't think is ever going to have that opportunity to be the RB1 overall. No. I, when you're looking at what you can get for him, I just think if I'm looking and you've got a couple of trades that you're looking on here and I'm thinking, Oh boy, this is just so good. Like I I just think you could get so much for him. 
that you can massively upgrade either in that position or if you're stacked up, imagine if you came into the season and you had a pretty stacked RB room and you took Jonathan Taylor and effectively you're thinking, I'm not even sure he gets in my team next year. Or if he does, he's in the flex. Imagine like being in that situation right now. You'd be licking your lips. I'd be thinking, crumbs, I could get, I could fill every hole in my roster with, with what I could get for Jonathan Taylor. And I think... Yeah. I just think you have to sell him. I just think you. I won't be buying him. It's just not going to happen this season. There's just no way I could buy Jonathan Taylor this year. Yeah, and I think the key thing for me here is that this isn't this isn't a sell for the sake of selling. This isn't a no. sell to get out because we think his value is going to plummet. No, I think this is a sell at the peak of his value because you could get a haul that could set you up for the next three years. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this. I do think his, his value will plummet. I think it will plummet at some point because people will cotton on to this. I'm, and I'm not even going to say that he is the 2021 Miles Sanders because I don't think that's the case. By the way, Miles Sanders is another player who I really like. Um, he's just got a terrible situation. Um, and, I, I, and I don't think Jonathan Taylor has a bad situation, but his numbers aren't sustainable on, on where they are with the peripheral numbers around it. So, yeah, I, I just think you've got to cash in. And just think about what you can do with 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 the haul that you get back. Yeah. So, where are we going next with the uh, with the sell candidate? It's very very similar vein. Is is David Montgomery? So you're talking about a guy who's coming off an RB six season. And th- th- let's let's get this straight. If you've listened to this this podcast for a while, um, you've listened to Fiverr Rush, you would have heard me talk about David Montgomery as a league winner. <laughs> And that's exactly what he was. David Montgomery led people to titles because his schedule in the last five, six weeks was as puff as it ever will be. It will never be as good as that again. He will never have a schedule in the fantasy playoffs that will ever be as easy and as conducive to a high finish as what he had. And you've just got to look at it that, that David Montgomery, just he's not, he's not great. He's just not a great player. He's a very good player. He's a very good player. Good player. He's a top 20 running back all day long. It, I call David Montgomery Mr. RB2 because that's what he is. He will give you a finish most week of somewhere between RB14 and RB20 every week. And there is some value in buying someone who is consistently dependent like that. But his upside is so short. And, and we've kind of seen the peak. And everything worked out for him. I talked about the schedule. It's not going to be like that next year. He rushed for 1,070 yards off 247 carries. He's not getting that many carries next year. Eight touchdowns. I think that's pretty static. I think he could be around that number, and I wouldn't shock, wouldn't be shocked to see him get eight touchdowns next year. Um, maybe a slight regression, but not, I, I wouldn't see it fall below six. I'd be shocked. 438 uh, receiving yards. That's not going to happen again. He's not catching 54 balls next year. Not going to happen. Um, he had six goal line carries. So that ranked him 63rd upon running backs in the NFL. <laughs> it's six goal line carries. So this is what I mean. When you're looking at these numbers, it's like you have to look at why he got those numbers. And it was pure and simple. Tariq Cohen got injured. All this yeah. talk in preseason was about Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen is going to be this back. And we've seen it. David Montgomery has never been trusted with the workload until this season because it was him or, or Snall. That was it. There was no one in that backfield who was fit. No one that could Cordell Patterson got carries. Like this is how mental the Bears' backfield was at times. It just it, it didn't have people there who were going to challenge David Montgomery. That is not going to be the case next year. 
they're going to have someone, whether it's Tariq Cohen, whether it's going to be someone else, whether they draft a back. They're a great candidate to draft in, in this draft class. It's a deep draft class. I can definitely see them adding a scat back who's going to come in and take the receptions away. And I think that you could realistically look at David Montgomery in 2021 and say that his reception numbers are going to half. And then well, all you've of got, a sudden... You've got Tariq Cohen there, who they've paid. Let's yeah. not forget, they've already paid Tariq Cohen. He's coming back next year. And what, what does he do? He catches balls out the backfield. You know? Exactly that. And I think that they prefer that. They would rather keep Montgomery fresh on the ground. Uh, you've got a situation at quarterback where you don't know what is going to happen. But imagine if they get a more uh, more mobile quarterback than the two statues that they have behind the ball right now. Mm-hmm. That's going to eat into Montgomery's workload. I just think at the end of the day, this is, again, about as good as, as good a life you're going to get for David Montgomery. I'm not adverse buying him if the price is right, because he is Mr. Stable, but he's not going to do you a big number. He's not going to get you – he's not going to be RB6 again. It's just not going to happen. You know, you're talking about a guy who's going to be an RB2 next year. So you can look at people, you can try and sell him on his numbers and say, he's worth a first-round pick. And people will buy him. People will buy him as a first-round pick because they'll look at the numbers and go, oh, yeah, he's turned the corner. It's just the situation is going to change completely. So, yeah, I'm selling David Montgomery. In fact, to be honest, I don't have any shares of David Montgomery in in the dynasty. So (laughs) I um, I can't sell him. Um, but I think people will sell him and, and I think they should. And I think if you get a good price for him, I wouldn't be sitting there trying to be desperately selling him. I wouldn't sell him for like a third round pick and get rid of him. He has value, but I think you can, you can probably cash in at his peak. Yeah. I mean, you've just got to look at some of the recent trades. So these, so we went straight up for Joe Mixon um, in a super flex league. He went for Drew Locke, Christian Kirk and a second. Um, and then he went for a random first as well. So I think I completely Someone traded him straight up for Mixon? Yeah. yeah. Wow. What a life. Imagine being, <laughs> the, imagine being the guy who had Dave Montgomery and he's traded for Joe Mixon. What a life. I want to play in that league. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm more shocked with the Superflex League getting Drew Locke, who, okay, might not be a starting quarterback for much longer, Christian Kirk and the second round pick. That's you know that's a haul for a guy that is yeah. probably let's be honest no more than RB two. Yeah, I think it's, and then you got the guy who's paid. Someone got a random first for him. I think brilliant. I think that that is what you can get. Like you can command a fee for him that is beyond what he's worth because yeah. he's the RB six. <laughs> What's the world? <laughs> David Montgomery's the RB six. Which which brings me quite nicely on to kind of my sole candidate. Mm-hmm. So this is I guess more a, a kind of an all encompassing thing where at this time of year, as I mentioned earlier, I'm basically trying to offload any RB2s that I think are are kind of uncertain heading into next year. So this time last year, I was screaming about Marlon Mack being a sell, being a sell, being a sell. And then they went and drafted Jonathan Taylor and his price plummeted. So I think you've got people like, in uncertain situations, you've got Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake, who are all kind of free agents, who knows where they'll be next year. I think you've got Rojo. I think, he, yes, he's performed okay this year, but we've seen he still can't contribute in the passing game. They've just spent a, a pick on Keyshawn Vaughan. I wouldn't be shocked if they went out and brought somebody else into that backfield. Um, mm. And I just think that his value is kind of at its peak. Same goes for Melvin Gordon. Um, but my biggest sell candidate is um, James Connor. 
all day long. So he's so his current values. He's currently in recent startups was the running back twenty six, ninety um, first overall with a value of a, probably around about an early second round pick. What? Um, yeah, oh, and for all me, day long. That's always. <laughs> Yeah, if I'll be honest, I'm I'm trying to sell him in one league at the moment. So if you're in that league and you're listening, ignore the next ten minutes of this conversation. But I just I just don't think that he's ever going to consistently produce kind of moving forward. He's a free agent. I don't think Pittsburgh are going to pay up to re-sign him. I wouldn't be shocked if he came back on an undermarket deal. But we've seen over the last two years they've got McFarlane, they've got Snell, and I think that they're they're already preparing to move on from him. I don't think anybody else in terms of any other team in the league is going to pay him to be a true starter. So therefore you're looking at him being at best a kind of a 50-50 split back. And I just think that this is the kind of guy that I don't, essentially I don't want on my roster. He's got limited upside. He's at his absolute peak will give me flex RB two weeks. And I just think that if you can get a second round pick for him, I'd much rather take the punt and take the upside of a second round pick than a guy that might give me maybe 10 to 12 points a week. I was going to ask you what, what you would take for him, because I'm going to be honest, I can't see many people ponying up a second round pick for him. And then I'm looking at some of the trades that have gone down and think, wow, I don't know how people are ponying <laughs> up for James Conner. Where, where's, think... your, where's your floor sale on him? So if someone was to walk in and say, what's the price for James Connor? What is the minimum you're going to walk away from from him where you think, actually, I'll just keep James Connor because the out, the outcome isn't worth, uh, you know, is it a third? Think... Is it a fourth? Like, what, what is, and I'm not trying to hedge you in. I'm just trying to understand where, at what no, point no, no, do you absolutely. not sell him? I think I've got, it's got to be a second. I think if, if you're, even if it's two twelve, I think if we're talking a third round pick for me, that's that's just I'd rather take the risk that James Connor comes back and is the lead lead back in Pittsburgh, which I think is probably like a ten percent chance. But I'd rather take that ten percent chance that I get James Connor in Pittsburgh than I would with a third round pick. You know, if I have to maybe attach a kind of a third or a fourth round pick to James Connor to get second, but I honestly believe that that the kind of you, you can get a second for him. I think that that's looking at, you know, we said about the recent trades. So he's gone Connor and Antonio Brown for a second, Connor and Damian Harris for a Juju, which I'm gobsmacked by. Yeah. Um, and then James Connor for a second round pick and Justin Hill, uh, Justice Hill, sorry. So I think, you know, a second round pick is fair value. If I can get that, I'm so, so, so happy. Um, but I probably won't sell him for a third if I'm being honest. I think that's fair. I think that's a a fair way of looking at it. I, I was trying to sit there and think about what what I'd be willing to do for James Connor. I mean, I wouldn't pay the second for him. Uh, I think I'd struggle with the third, but if I was desperate, I'd probably do it. I just, I think I'm like you. I just don't think he has anything left to give. Um, he's one of these yeah. players I would expect to not really be in the NFL for for too much longer. Yeah, yeah. No, I I tend to agree. I think he could have a a career where Pittsburgh don't resign him, maybe he'll go somewhere and be a kind of a complimentary back for six months of this half the season to a year, and and then in twenty twenty two he's he's out the league completely. Yeah, um, I agree. So that concludes the concludes the buy sell portion. Before we go, Murph, I do this to everybody. Dynasty Island picks. So this is one player that you would want to be on a Dynasty Island with. 
and then one player that you want to abandon on a dynasty island. So I'm going to preface this by saying I don't know what I don't I don't know enough about the 2021 values yet. <laughs> uh, for me, I, this is a hard one, right? Because I'd never have a player I'd attach myself to. So I'm going to go with self, the guy who I just do not want on my island for love nor money, and the person who I just absolutely do not want on any of my teams ever, ever, ever again is, is David Johnson. Okay. Do not want David Johnson on any of my teams. Just, ah, just no. Just, there's just no reason that David Johnson has to be a thing in in 2021. Um, <laughs> and going forward, he's just got a. He's just a prospect that he's going to just. First of all, whatever you draft to him will be too much. Um, and then going forward, you're not going to get any return on him. You're buying a player that you will never ever be able to get anything back off your roster. So, and I, I don't mind doing that if I'm going to draft. I'll give you an example. I was drafting Julian Edelman in, in Dynasty Startups in the 13th, 14th round. Because it's just like, it's the 13th, 14th round. I don't care. Like, if Julian Edelman goes off, great. He was injured. Not a problem. If he goes off next year, great. If he doesn't, I don't care. It's not a big problem. You, you're still going to have to pay up a top six pick for David Johnson next year. I just can't, I can't do it. I just can't do it. There's no scenario where David Johnson is going to be any on, on any of my teams next year. And once he's on, I, I'd be surprised if I can't get rid of him. But if I can't get rid of him, I can't get rid of him. Fine, he's just going to sit there. And he might play a few games, but I don't, I don't really want him. Never feel comfortable starting him, certainly. Uh, no. Maybe there's a few games in a deep, 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 deep league where I might play him. I could think of one league where there's like 14, 15 starters. And I think, well, yeah, I probably would play him, but he's sort of normal leagues. The player I'd have on all of my teams, this is a tough one. I just think for the price, and I haven't had a price check on him, but it'd still be Keenan Allen. I just think Keenan Allen, I can't see his price rising much more than what it was this year. I still think Keenan Allen is going to be a fourth, fifth round pick. Yeah. It's this 27 year old wide receiver yeah. thing, isn't it? Is that as soon as the receiver yeah. gets over 27, everyone says, Oh, he's done, the bottom's about yeah. to fall off. But Keenan Allen was never was never quick, was never athletic. He's he's one on goal and nuanced route running, and he's gonna continue doing that until he's fifty, I think. Yeah, I, and I think that's the key, is I is Keenan Allen going to be any worse this year to last year? Probably not. Um he's got a great QB, uh he's got a great arm who's gonna target him loads. I'm not worried about the coaching change there. Um, I think Keenan Allen has a chip on his shoulder that he's not seen as a great wide receiver and he gets more disrespect than he probably deserves. I think the fact that he won't go in the first five or six rounds of, of dynasty startups because of the fact that he's 27 years old and people will be interested more in the shiny new toys of Justin Jefferson. And um, I, I think Godwin will, will command a certain amount and, I think you're going to get, I think even players like Mims could go above him or Rago or, or Ayuk. And I just sit there and think, I just, I'd have Allen over all of those. But even Justin Jefferson, I'd have Allen over Justin Jefferson. And I've forgotten CD Lamb, Jerry Judy. I just have Allen over all of these because I know what I'm buying. And there's, there is a comfort in having a, a player that you just know is going to go out. It's like Cooper Cup. The reason he's a buy is because I know what I'm buying. I'm going to buy a guy who's going to get me a minimum of 950 yards. Um, and 90 receptions next year. There's a comfort in buying that. Do I think Cooper Cup is going to be the wide receiver one next year? No, but he is almost nailed on to outperform his ADP. And, and the same goes for Keenan Allen. And I just think I can't have enough of those guys on my teams next year. So Keenan Allen, give me Keenan Allen, and I will have him 
on every single team next year if I can have him and would love it. Well, thank you ever so much for joining us, Murph. It's been uh, fantastic to have you on. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week with, um, with another pod. Um, but keep listening and we'll see you soon. to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.